the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. My guest is Pastor Chris Gordon. He is the pastor of the Escondido URC Church and uh, also the host of Abounding Grace Radio, heard on a variety of stations across the country. Uh, Chris, as I mentioned a, a few moments just before the break, you know, th- this this pandemic, the coronavirus thing, it, it, it's, it's taken us all off guard. And I can't help but wonder if this rioting, the Black Lives Matter, the, the Floyd issue, and the police has, has been the right cross to that left uh, jab, you know. Uh, where do we stand? I mean, it's racism. It's rearing its ugly head again. How much of it really is racism? How much of it is smoke and mirrors? And what is the church's response to it? Right. What a great question. Um, you know, here's the thing. When it comes to the to the, the racism discussion, I think depending on the political camp you fall, it's almost like sometimes Christians just recoil at even the discussion. I think we have to be able to admit that this is a real problem of the human heart, but as God defines it, not as the culture or society defines it. The society wants to box us in. And here's the sad thing of what's happened in the world. Here's a noble cause. If they're really, and, and if, by the way, racism, uh, the, the very definition has changed and altered over time. It used to be that it was a belief of the superiority of one race over another. Now it's, it's, it's been defined in Marxist categories of status and being, and so it's just you are what you are, and that's what defines you as a racist. And that's what makes the discussion difficult um, because we have constant fluid definitions and different ideas of it in, imposed. But here's here's let's just take it as, as its basic definition of if I believed that as a certain race, my race or ethnicity is is superior to somebody else's. Well, uh, what does the scripture teach about that? That that's a. That, that would be hating someone. We put that in the classification mm-hmm. of the law, sixth commandment, you shall yep. not murder. That's a, that, that's, a, that's a terrible sin. So, But it's in God's terms. I'm worse than a racist. I'm a murderer from the heart. Anyone I despise from the heart or hate, that, that makes me a murderer in God's eyes. That's a much bigger problem than even a societal definition. So that, that's the first thing. But when we look at it in terms of society, the saddest thing has happened, Andy. Here... Um, in, in societal terms, in laws, in things that happen, the society should want justice. Uh, laws should be just. Things should be promote justice. It's in our Constitution. We all know that. The devil has come along and hijacked these things and now used them to, dis- to, to destroy, to fight, to separate. He is, he is advancing a lie to destroy people, and it's so sad. I am glad to admit that, you know, whatever I am, my struggles, my sins, and Christians have to be willing to say, if they struggle with these things, confess these sins. But 
on the Lord's terms, not as society is trying to control us. So that that's hmm. that's part of the challenge. But I also think this gets to a real gospel issue. What what Satan has done with this issue is provided an assessment with no atonement, if you will. There's no ability to forgive. There's no ability to reconcile. All that we're seeing is the advancement of hate. But what the Christian message says is, we're all alike under sin. We've all sinned in terrible ways. I'm much worse than a racist. I'll admit that. You should admit that. Everyone should admit that. Now we're all in the same uh, leveled playing field so that we can now, if we know the gospel and see that we committed, now think about this, we committed the greatest injustice, all of us. We crucified the Son of God. We took the Lord. We didn't just put uh, a knee on the neck. We, we, we crucified him. Our sins crucified him unjustly, and he never did anything wrong. And what did he do? He rose victorious and has offered forgiveness to the world. And it's his work to heal the nations. That's what Pentecost is all about. People are hearing the gospel preached in their own native tongue. It is his work, his prerogative, his gospel program to heal the division of the nations and unite peoples again. If that gospel has gotten to our hearts, then we ought to, then we ought to demonstrate the same love and forgiveness to one another. And that's what's so sad. The current narrative, the things that have happened, have completely undermined the intention of God in announcing a way of forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace between God and man. You know, you you, you mentioned this, and it, it really strikes my mind and my heart that as a society and as a people group, as a nation, just as a fallen humanity, we are so quick to find and grab a hold of one person who's been wronged and use them to champion a cause and yet we fail to grip Christ, who was the most abused person ever recorded in history, and champion that cause of grace. It, it really speaks of our dullness of wit, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly right. And, and if you ever want a book to read uh, in the Bible to help you with the pilgrim life, it's Peter. <laughs> We've got to get back to the book of First Peter. And he says this. He says this. Um, it's a gracious... Thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Well, that sounds like something this culture is talking about right now, right? For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for, uh, yeah, if you do good and suffer and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Now, that's an amazing statement. He didn't run around rioting. He didn't run around destroying things. He, he, he closed his mouth and entrusted the just judgment to God, leaving us an example that we ought to instead love one another. That's what the gospel is all about. The challenge I think our our, our uh, African American brothers might have with that is, oh, so basically I can I can hear their response. So basically, what you're saying is shut up and put up with what I've got. No, 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 no. This is this is a good question because I think there's two there, there's a kingdom ethic in Christianity, right? That mm-hmm. I just read as Christians, but we're looking at abuses in 
governments of the world, systems of the world. Could there be systemic problems? I mean, you know how what a hot-button discussion that is. Well, I, I've always maintained, and you can disagree with me here, but if, if, uh, if sin is that bad from the human heart, it can filter into systems. I mean, there have been unjust laws throughout throughout uh history i think those things have to be have to be remedied and and those things should be dealt with but whatever the case i think there's two different things there there's policy if there if there is policy unjust policies those should be remedied for people right if there are and if there aren't you know that those things have to be discussed in the political realm and christians individual christians can exercise their influence that way in how they vote and if they're involved in politics and those sort of things but in the church and the kingdom of god the ethic that we have been taught in the gospel drives how we treat everyone and that's where i think you know i i understand that somebody in the world is not going to understand the gospel ethic this way so so you're looking at two different things in some ways, how systems and how governments, how they can be abusive and what they do. That's what many African-Americans feel have been unjust. And that that's why they're frustrated. But Christians not only want to see justice in the earth, they want to see eternal matters considered. That people would know the reconciling power of God in their life through the forgiveness of their sins so that they might know how best to love one another in this world and look like the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the, the remedy, as you have wisely mentioned, can always be traced right back to Golgotha, can't it? Absolutely. The, the ultimate remedy happened when Jesus uh, satisfied the wrath of God um, because of our sin. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a law that God, God has given that's uh, defined 10 ways, <laughs> summary of all the ways we've sinned against God. And uh, th- there's some, th- all 10 of those words are very serious that people need to take take seriously. Um, but I think, you know, it's a complex discussion. Uh, th- there's a lot of factors to this in, in all the, the things going on in the world, Andy, and in the country. And I think uh, the best thing we can do is hold fast in these times to the gospel and love our neighbor and care about them. I, I think that's the, the calling that the Lord has given us in these times. Hey, it's not rocket science, is it? It's really not. <laughs> it's really not. You know, uh, what is the summary of the law? Love God and you know, love your neighbor. And uh, there you go. Well, Chris Gordon, our guest here tonight on Lifeline. You can find out more about him and the ministries that he is involved with at agradio.org or the church website, escondidourc.org. Chris, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. It's been very helpful. I hope it was, Andy. It was good to join you. All right, we have to take a quick time out. Back as the conversation continues on Lifeline after a look at your traffic off to the KFAX Traffic Center. We'll look. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. It's Lifeline Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts tonight. Joining me now is a friend of mine who. Uh, Man, we used to get together on this show a long time ago when I was in the hot seat and Craig was out doing other things. And it's it's been a minute or two since we've been together, and I am delighted that Antoine Miller is joining me tonight here on the program. He is uh, uh, associate minister at Cornerstone Baptist. Uh, he's got an extensive uh, history in, in ministry of the Lord. And I wanted to bring you on, Antoine, because I know in times past when you and I have got together, this has been a subject we've tried to work through, uh, you know, 
a white boy needs to be schooled now and then and, uh, you know, uh, get slapped. And, and, and fair, fair play, um, you know, I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the program before you've, you, you're joining us here, but uh, Pastor Chris Gordon was on just a little bit ago, and we kind of set the stage for you and I as we close the program out tonight and get the last word in. Um, it is it is a gospel issue at the heart of it all, yet things still swirl around all of this. And I guess my first question for you, Antoine, by the way, hi and welcome. I don't think we got you in on that one. Well, hello, Abby. It's good to be on. It's uh, been a few years since I've been able to be uh, here at uh, KFAX, and uh, just great to be here. Um, and of course, I guess it's... Uh, Eight nine years ago, uh, ended yeah. the radio show that we had there, and uh, I really enjoyed doing that. And longest time, there have been those telling me I need to get back on air. And all I could say was, in God's timing, that'll happen if it's meant to happen. But it was nothing that I guess I was going to rush. So. You, you know, brother, and I, I with fond memories, uh, our times together. And and though we didn't always agree, I always valued your your thoughts. And you, uh, to to be honest, uh, over time, um, you've you've been a tremendous help uh, in, in me charting a course through all of this. You know. Um, you've really made a difference. And so I thought, you know what? Um, they've got me back in here again tonight. I'm going to bring you on, and I want to talk about all of this and get your in- input, your take on some of this, and some of your thoughts and and how we can chart a course forward with all of this. My first thought uh, is the true nature of racism and inequality. Do you, I, it, it's always been there. It's always bubbling right there on the surface. But recently and lately, we've seen a lot of things in our society that have really challenged all of this to a new level. And at some point, I can't help but wonder, has Black Lives Mattered kind of hijacked the true nature of inequality and racism for something else? Or do they really have uh, the best intents at heart? Well, it all depends on what aspect of Black Lives Matter uh, you would ask the question of, because there's a difference between uh, the group of Black Lives Matter, uh, which, of course, has no uh, ties to any uh, religious groups, and in right. particular, no ties to the church. Uh, their whole mantra is something uh, aside from the preservation of Black Lives that have been attacked. Uh, by either racism or police brutality, which is probably the only thing we would have in common. Um, But I support them in their being vocal about those things, and uh, I've been critical of them when there have been other things that have happened in the black community where uh, they've been as silent as a church mouse. Um, So to some extent, to part of your question, they have hijacked uh, a part of the movement, I guess you can say, or what we have understood as racism. But moving beyond the group, I am one in particular as a black man uh, that has to uh, live up to, I wouldn't say live up to, but believe in the mantra that black lives do matter. Um, 
and I can't speak for everyone's experience, and I don't want to take a lot of time right here. Um, but I, I, going back to the year that Michael Jackson died, 11 years ago, uh, in the city of Las Vegas, that Saturday night, uh, June 29th, while walking with my children on East Harmon, a police officer passes us up. I've got my 15-year-old daughter and my son, who was 14, who, if you re- would recall, was recovering from brain surgery at that time. Right, I do. And so it's, re- it's really his first time getting out, excited. Kids wanted nothing more than a fat burger. <laughs> and as we're going up East Harmon to the strip, uh, the police car that passed us up made a real hard U-turn, came up against traffic, and got on the sidewalk behind us right in front of what is now the MGM Grand Residences, while another police car came flying down East Harmon and cut us off on the sidewalk. And three police officers jumped out with their guns drawn, uh, ordered my son and my daughter against the fence and was screaming at my son, drop the weapon, drop the weapon. When what he had in his hand was a hairbrush because a lot of black males with short haircuts like hairbrushes because it helps them keep their wave pattern. Yeah, 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 yeah. And right after ordering my kids to a fence, I jumped in front of my children when I seen the gun and another car comes up they snatched me and slammed me on the hood of the, of the police car, still with guns drawn out. Uh, because we fit a description. Yeah. Two gentlemen had robbed someone uh, in the area, and we just so happened to fit the description. And my reply to the officer in telling us what was going on, when was the last time you seen any two people robbing someone with a pair of shorts and flip-flops on. You can't run away in flip-flops. Yeah. Um, And there was nothing uh, that hurt my heart more than to see guns drawn on my children. Hmm. Um, And a police officer treating my children as if they were criminals and handcuffing me. And then the next thing that really got me upset was when they went through my pockets and pulled everything out and seen my business card as I was pastoring a church in Alameda at the time. The officer asked, wow, you're a pastor? I went, yes. And his response was, I find that hard to believe with you being so belligerent. What father is not going to jump in front of guns when it comes to them being drawn on his children? And that's not the experience of a lot of people. But that night is not the first, nor was it the last time I've been stopped by police or had guns drawn on me for any myriad of reasons. And having the name Antoine L. Miller uh, back in the 90s and the early 2000s when uh, that name would be mentioned, it wasn't too far disconnected from the Reginald Denny beating in Los Angeles where one of the gentlemen who had hit him in the head with a fire hydrant just so happened to be named Antoine L. Miller. Um, (laughs) Great. So so when I would be stopped by police officers, uh, I would be told that Antoine Miller is a person of interest, which would infuriate me to no end because, especially knowing that now that gentleman is dead. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was an easy excuse for anyone that had that kind of awareness or memory 
uh, to use and to hear fit a description. Well, what description? Two black men dressed in black when in that night, uh, just coming from our family reunion, we're in white shorts, flip-flops, and black T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, Along with your daughter. It's, it's not two, but three. Uh, right, and it's three. And the other two are obviously uh, children, teenagers, and they have guns drawn. Uh, this is not the experience for a lot of people that don't look like me. Right. And so I can understand, uh, because that night, if I had truly been belligerent, if I had let my angst get the best of me, June 29th of that year could have been a could have had a totally different answer. Yeah, yeah. And really, you know, I listen to you, Antoine, and we you, you and I have talked on several occasions, and I, there's a lot of sympathizing I can do, but the empathy is not there. And I guess that's one of the challenges that some of us have when it comes to this issue of race. I can sympathize, but I have not experienced that. And sadly, you have. And And even more sadly... It's relegated to your skin color. Um, you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, and and I've got uh, I've got I've got more friends than I care to admit to that have had similar experiences simply because of the the color of their skin, and and these things should not be. Um, we have to take a quick time out. When we come back, uh, let's turn a subtle corner. And take a look at this from the gospel's perspective then, because obviously, you know, your reaction is going to be different than a lot of other guys out there, because you have, you have the gospel inside of you. you. You have that relationship with Christ. A lot of guys don't. And so let's explore that avenue as we come back. We need to take a quick time out. Antoine Miller is my guest here right now on Lifeline. Let's head off to the KFAX Traffic Center and take... And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back. It is Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts tonight. And uh, my guest is Antoine Miller, who is uh, Associate Minister, Cornerstone Baptist, and also uh, a friend extraordinaire, man. We, we've we got some history, he and I, and I have brought Antoine on tonight to give us a perspective and idea, especially for those of us who, who are milky white. Um, we... Uh, we can, as I mentioned just before the break, Antoine, we can sympathize a lot, and some of us more than others, but empathy comes from practical experience, similar experience. And I just, at this point, I find myself at a loss for words until I come back to the gospel and I, I realign once again with the cross and what our elder brother has gone through before us. And it's at that point I've got to come back to you and say, I, I, I get it. I see a difference uh, in the response you had in the story you just gave us and the response I've seen other friends of mine who are not Christians have had in similar experiences. So for those listening tonight, where does that difference lie and how should it actually look? Especially if we've got listeners tonight who are going, all right, I'm not a Christian. What you're saying, yeah, man, I'd I'd have ran from the police. I'd have cold cocked him. I'd I'd have, boy, I'd have fought more. Uh, how did you do that? How did you walk away from that? 
Well, one, because it, it wouldn't have been the first time that things had went left, so to say, if a black man has a violent reaction towards mistreatment with the police. Uh, because at that moment, it was just more, it was more than me that was dealing with it, but it was my children. And um, being in Christ and being a father, I would take a bullet before I'd allow my children. Now, that's not to say it would have gone that far, uh, but the possibility is there because we see it far too often. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with sensationalizing stories where that's the lead story, even whether or not the uh, entire picture is known how an event could have happened. Yeah. Um, I'm smart enough to know not every African-American that has been shot by the police was an innocent person. I'm smart enough to know that. Right. I'm smart enough to know uh, that the police have not just shot uh, African-Americans. But I am also smart enough to know just to look at statistics that in proportion to our percentage of society, we have borne the brunt of more police brutality uh, than any others. When you have uh, police departments where they are rooting out officers that have made all kinds of racist statements uh, to one another that have been found in text messages and most recently in uh I want to say Wilmington, North Carolina, and then just a few years ago, right here in the liberal Bay Area in San Francisco, where there was the big police scandal there where uh, police officers had gotten caught up in a lot of racist and even homophobic statements that was caught through text messaging and private rooms and stuff like that. Right. So it's something that's there. what kept me and continues to keep me from not blowing my stack when those things have happened has been who I am in Christ. I know how to turn a soft anger because turn, excuse me, turning a soft answer because a soft answer can get rid of or diffuse a lot of anger. And even if it doesn't stop the mistreatment, when people begin to gather around those who are doing the mistreating, recognize when other people are looking at them. Well, and at that point, I, I can empathize with you to a certain degree. I mean, uh, you know, you uh, like you said, a soft anger turns away wrath. And a harsh response does nothing more, especially in your situation and in your context. All it does is reconfirm what the police officer assumed all along. Well, see, nope, there you go. And, and and at that point, I've actually been there. I've been involved in a conversation where it's gone south, and my response has been in anger, only to have the person go, see, you just proved my point. You're an angry person. Well, yeah, you drove me nuts, man. What, what kind of response should I have? And at that point, then we are brought up short. You know, yeah, a soft, anger, a soft answer does turn away anger. Um. How, but real quick, Andy, yeah. I, I, I like to say, but we have two recent cases now where it wasn't an issue of a soft answer. Uh, it was just police officers in those cases that were uh, hell bent on doing what they were doing. Yes. Um, yes. In Georgia, the gentleman that was on CNN just the other night, while the officer is talking to him, you know, you have the other police officer ever so gently come up from behind him 
and wrap his arms around him without even knowing the officer was coming and slams him to the ground and breaks his wrist. And then at the end of that interaction, this is the wrong guy. Yes. Well, this being the wrong guy doesn't help when that wrist is broken or what's going on in Aurora, Colorado right now. Unfortunately, it took the death of George Floyd to bring out what happened to the young man in Colorado last year uh, as he was walking home um, in a chokehold by police officers and then an overdose given to him by paramedics of a drug that was meant to calm him down because based on his weight, they gave him, you know, better than two times the amount of the drug they should have had given him. And that's another young black man that is dead. And when you look at all the history concerning that black man and that incident, he wasn't violent. He wasn't resisting, but he's in the grave right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenging issue, isn't it, brother? Yeah. So uh, you were mentioning looking at it through the lens of the gospel, where we align in Christ. Uh, as I've shared with people before, as, uh, those who are non-believers, uh, you should be glad that there's a remnant that are believers because this world would be in total chaos without us. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, in fact, I think the book of Revelation has something to say about that very issue, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, exactly. at the end of the day, are there any answers? I mean, okay, you've got a captive audience and you've got a good friend in me who's looking for answers as to how to move forward with all this. I mean, there's riots going on. Again, we've, you know, you, you see what's happening in Seattle. Uh, it, you, obviously, there's there's a, a large group that has kind of gone overboard with their their frustration in all of this. And the frustration is real. I, I don't want to diminish that one bit, but it seems as though there are people who are kind of hijacking this for their own evil intent, Right. Well, one of the things that gives them license to sort of hijack it for their own evil intent is that you do have uh, those who say that they are believers uh, that are part of white nationalist groups, Aryan groups, the KKK, who have burned crosses and so on like that, and have said it is their God-given right um, to have the superiority that they enjoy. And this is a society where uh, Black Lives Matter has been called, labeled a terrorist group, so to say, but this is a country that still has not labeled the Ku Klux Klan as a terrorist group. And for people in my family that come from Yazoo City, Mississippi, uh, that was nothing but a terrorist group. I yeah. just simply could not imagine uh, what my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather had to deal with in taking care of their families. Uh, when their mind was made up that someone has got to pay. Yeah. Pay for what? what? Whatever it is they felt needed paying for. Uh, walking on the same side of the sidewalk when a white woman was approaching them. Not getting in the street. Uh, disrespect. Eyeballing someone. Drinking from the w wrong water fountain. Uh, and these are things 
that unfortunately have lingering effects, not in that people are born with these racist views, but someone is teaching these racist views. Right. And they continue generation after generation after generation. Well, I was just going to say, you know me, brother. I, I am utterly convinced the KKK is a terrorist organization. Anybody who purports to be a Christian yet holding a KKK viewpoint, I'm sorry. You are not a Christian. My theological grid tells me that, you know. And speaking of time, we do have to take a quick time out and come back and continue this conversation. And we'll do just that. Antoine Miller, my guest here on Lifeline, off to the KFAX traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're back. It's Lifeline Andy Froyland, along with my guest, good friend Antoine Miller. Uh, and, and Antoine, we left off with the, at the break talking about reparations, and you were using Nehemiah 2, 9, chapter 9 and verse 2. You know, and as you use that, I immediately, my mind went to Jeremiah 31. In those days, it'll no longer be said the fathers um, have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge talking about the new covenant and the fact that as we move forward, um, that paradigm seems to go away somewhat. Yet, and as I say that, I do need to quickly come back and go, I agree with you. There are things that our forefathers did that we need to say, "Mm, man, that's an issue. Uh, as far as reparations, and you talked about this, and we've got eight minutes to, to figure it all out and, and get money and checks sent out where they need to go. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of partial to reparations because if you guys get your reparations, that means I can go to the Catholic Church and get my reparations for all the, all the burning at the stake they did with my forefathers. <laughs> you know, right? And I, I kind of say that tongue in cheek, but really, how far back do we go, and how much is enough? I mean, we've seen it on TV where we've got white people getting on their knee and allowing them, you know, prostrate before some some African American guys, going, "Oh, I'm so sorry," you know. And, and how how much is enough? What what will be what will satiate and satisfy those who ask for reparations and or those who need subservience from the whites to be able to find peace with with the inequality that they're they're claiming is is causing their dis, disgruntlement and dis, disagreement. Well, here's where I'm at. Reparations probably are not going to come, and I understand that. But when it comes to this society as a whole, when it comes to America, when it comes to the Christian Church. In America, there has to be at some point where we say, how do we fix this? Because in that uh, confessing to God the iniquities of their forefathers, there has to be at some point where we say to one another, how do we fix this? How do we make this right? Because everything that came out of slavery, out of Jim Crow, during the Reconstruction era of this country, there were laws that had been, been put that had been put on books of this country that purposely kept black people subservient or in different neighborhoods, loan uh, that would not be issued so that they could purchase houses. And even just a few years ago, as a house was sold in Citrus Heights, California, the person selling the house noticed the original deed uh, when it was purchased back in the 50s that this house could not be sold to a Negro. Hmm. Uh, so Man. those things, 
<laughs> those things are still there. So there's some things that we as a society will have to address, will have to fix, will have to have that come to Jesus moment where we're going to say, we're going to be the generation to make this right. Uh, oftentimes, because you have uh, seen me in different marches uh, where I am anti-abortion, uh, I'm pro-life, I have participated with different things with uh, the evangelical church, but when there has been brutality uh, from police officers in the black neighborhood and we have reached our hand out to the other side of the aisle, that invitation has never well, I won't say never, that invitation more times than not has not been accepted. Uh, I do yeah. give major props to the pastor in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, in speaking to his church that we have to be more active in making things right Yes. Uh, after the death of George Floyd. However, the response from his church was, it's time for you to go. Oh, dear. Well, it, 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 so so here's here's a question for you then, Antoine. Um, do we defund or do we retool? What would be the best way forward? Uh, and, and, and I, man, you know me. I'd lock arms with you in a New York second and we'd go out because you are right. We have guys who should not be in a uniform. Uh, it, they're there. But we have a lot yeah. of guys who I, man, they have to be in uniform. I want that guy in uniform. And I don't care about yeah. the skin color because there are all kinds of skin color, some amazing police officers. So what is the answer? Do we defund or do we try and restructure? And how does that look? Defunding the police is not going to be the answer because we need a police force. Right. Uh, bottom line. But right. there must be a retooling to how hiring goes on in the police force and that thin blue line uh, where they have been just as guilty as street thugs when it comes to not snitching. Uh, when an officer sees an officer doing wrong, that's something where they've got to hold themselves accountable and make sure that this doesn't happen again and that the offending officer is held accountable for his actions. As opposed to the Walter Scott case in North Carolina when he shot in the back uh, by Officer Michaels, I believe his name was, uh, if it had not been for someone there recording on their camera, we would have never seen the officer go and place his gun in a deceased Walter Scott's hand to get his fingerprints on it. Right. Uh, if, <laughs> if that had not been there, the narrative continues. Yeah. Or the Ramparts case in Los Angeles, uh, where many officers had been found to have planted drugs on suspects. Why? Because they kept the arrest records up. So right. uh, when it comes to the police department, it's not necessarily an answer of defunding, uh, but retooling, as you said, refunding, how we're going to hire officers. Are we going to hire police officers that have a cultural sensitivity to the areas that they're going to police? Uh, hiring a young white guy that grew up in Sausalito to be a police officer in East Oakland, if that's not a world that he's familiar with. Holy cow. There are some things in East Oakland that's going to scare him. It, it, it sets him not, up for failure. Right. But if I'm a young white college kid who can't pay my college loans, then I figured I could get this good job with the police department that's going to start me at $80,000 a year, and they put me in East Oakland, um, 
I might just take that even without the cultural awareness of what's going on in East yeah. Oakland or North Richmond or yeah. Hunters Point Bayview, which uh, unfortunately when things go down and I don't understand what's happening, I could have an over vociferous reaction to what went on. Right. And we got another news story all over again. Well, brother, we've got uh, we've got a minute left. A final thought. You get the final word. You've only got a minute, but you've got the final word, man. What? Uh, how would you like to see things play out moving forward? Uh, moving forward, I would just love to see the body of Christ stand together, work together, and make this thing happen. Live up to what Isaiah writes in Isaiah ten: uh, "Woe unto them that write unjust laws." Let's deal with that. Let's get rid of things that have been unfair. Let's address issues with the prison industrial complex and look how it has unfairly affected one community over another. Hmm. Antoine Miller, our guest here tonight on Life, uh, Lifeline. Brother, it has been a treat. I, we, it's been too long, and we need to do more it of has. this. We need to do more of yes, this. Yes, we do. All right. That's a wrap, as they say. And I want to thank you so much for being a part of it here tonight. Lifeline is done for a Thursday. And then uh, we've got Fourth of July doings tomorrow night, I guess. And then uh, Craig Roberts is back at it again next week. So I want to thank you for letting me into your life for just a couple of hours. Hopefully it wasn't too fiery, especially at the beginning there. Yikes. (laughs) Where'd they get this guy? So anyway, thank you again so much for being a part of all this. I want to thank uh, Joel over there on the other side of the glass. He loves playing with all those colored buttons and making this thing sound really good coming out of your woofers and tweeters. Wanda Sanchez, our producer, who eloquently lays all of this stuff out. And then the trifecta, rounding it all out, your ears and your presence. Thank you so much for inviting us into your life here for a couple of hours. Until next time. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.